This is Commissioner Mohammed calling to order the Port of Seattle's Audit Committee uh, special meeting. Today is Thursday, April 6, 2023, and the time is 9.04 a.m. We are meeting today at the Port of Seattle's headquarters, commission chambers, and virtually via uh, the Microsoft Teams platform. Presented with me today is committee members, Commissioner Sam Cho, and public member Sarah Holmstrom. To make this meeting more accessible to the public, the meeting is being live streamed and digitally, digitally recorded and may be viewed or heard at any time on the port's website. A call and telephone number is also provided for anyone who would like to listen into the meeting. Our first item of business is approval of our last meeting minutes from December 8, 2022. As a reminder to the viewers of the audience, the public uh, member of the audit committee is not voting uh, member for the purposes of casting votes on motions made per the committee uh, rules. Are there any corrections to the minutes? Are there any objections to the approval of the minutes as presented? Hearing none, the minutes have been approved. Our next order of business is the Office of the Washington State Auditor's Accountability Audit Result for 2021. Mr. Glenn Fernandez, please introduce our speakers today. Thank you, Commissioner. Commissioner, I'd like to call up uh, Joe Simmons, Angela Funamori, and Maddie Scott Frost Schaefer from the State Auditor's Office, and they'll be presenting our 2021 accountability audit for the port. So, Joe, push the button. All right. Well, thank you, Glenn. Thank you, committee members. Appreciate the opportunity today to present the results of our 2021 accountability audit. My name is Joe Simmons. I'm the audit manager for Team Central King County. I'm here with Maddie Frost Schaefer, who is assistant audit manager and was a supervisor on the audit. And then Angela Funamori was the auditor in charge of the audit. And on the next slide, just walks through that our, we report, of course, to Pat McCarthy, who is our elected state auditor in her second term. And Kelly Collins is the director of local audit, and she's responsible for all of the local audits throughout the state. And then Wendy Choi is assistant director of local audit, and she obviously reports to Kelly Collins and has responsibility for six audit teams from Bellingham to Tacoma, so in the Puget Sound area. And then on the next slide, just briefly want to say, as we've said before, that we look at our role as one to help increase trust in government, that we work with state and local government to provide increased trust, that we see our role as reporting to this independent state official as a way to provide independent, transparent audits of state and local government and provide recommendations that hopefully help operations of state and local government. And again, appreciate the chance to go over the results of our 2021 audit with you today. And there is information in your packet that was provided that has a little bit more detail that we'll refer to during the presentation. And I'll go ahead and hand it off to Angela to talk about the results of the audit. Thank you, Joe. <clears throat> uh, next slide, slide, please. So as Joe mentioned, we conducted an 
an accountability audit that covered the period of January 1st uh, through December 31st of 2021. And the purpose of the audit is to determine whether the port complied with state laws, regulations, contracts, and its own policies and procedures. Uh, and just overall take a look at the port, uh, whether the port has adequate controls to safeguard public resources. And so in most of the areas we examined, the port's operations complied in all material respects with applicable state laws, regulations, and its own policies, and provided adequate controls over safeguarding of public resources. Uh, we also wanted to keep in mind that uh, with the general auditing practices, we do not examine every transaction or activity policy, so as a result, no information is gonna be provided on areas that we did not examine. Uh, next slide, please. So based on our planning procedures, we used a risk-based audit approach, and listed on the slide are the areas we examined during the period. Uh, as you all know, the port had experienced a cyber scheme which resulted in a loss. So part of our review was to gain an understanding of the cyber loss event, amount of the known losses, and the port's corrective actions in response to the loss. Additionally, we re-reviewed the port's controls over EFT payments to vendors to determine whether they are adequate to safeguard public resources. We did have a finding recommendation in which we'll discuss later uh, in the presentation. The next area we reviewed was uh, the port's policies and procedures over public works contracts, gained an understanding of internal, internal controls and selected contracts to ensure contracts complied with state law, uh, port policies and were supported and our audit determined uh, the port complied with port policies and state law. Next area we reviewed was the port's policies and procedures regarding patch management over the port software system and the associated financial applications, uh, gained an understanding of their controls and selected patches to test and we determined the port's IT systems are adequate to secure against known vulnerabilities and mitigate risks. Uh, the next area, we reviewed the port's policies and procedures over uh, promotional hosting and recalculated the port's promotional hosting limit um, amount specified by RCW, and we determined the port was within the promotional, promotional hosting limit. So part of the uh, planning stages of the audit, while we review meeting, meeting minutes, we also reviewed whether the port complied with the Open Public Meetings Act requirements. Um, essentially taking credit for the work that we're doing. And our audit determined no instances of noncompliance. And then uh, lastly, as part of our annual procedures, we review for any indicators for financial distress and noted no issues in the port's financial condition or sustainability. So during our review of these audit areas, uh, we did identify two opportunities for the port to strengthen its internal controls and the recommendations were provided to management for their consideration. But as a reminder, these exit items are control or compliance issues that are insignificant or have an immaterial effect. Next slide, please. Oh, thank you. So uh, as mentioned earlier, we followed up on the port's external cyber loss. Uh, given the amount of the loss and the number of instances, our office determined the reporting level to be a finding. Uh, in this report, you'll find there isn't new information. However, we would like to take this opportunity to go over the recommendation in more detail. 
And so for those looking in the packet, uh, the recommendation starts on page eight. And so over the last several years, our office has seen an increase of various types of cyber fraud, such as phishing or spear, spear phishing, which essentially is where an external actor contacts the government and convinces staff to redirect valid payments to those external actors. Uh, and this has become a growing issue statewide that our office has taken uh, very seriously. So to summarize the, the finding, the port reported two phishing incidents to our office. These incidents resulted in eight payments to public funds totaling just under 573,000 to fraudulent bank accounts. Once the port became aware of these losses, the internal audit department audited the events and related weaknesses and provided recommendations to management. And for our accountability audit, we followed up on the external cyber loss by reviewing the port's policy and operating processes over electronic funds transfer or EFT and although the port has established protocols, there was not enough adequate management oversight to ensure staff followed the required procedures. Uh, the port was able to recover majority of the funds, which includes the recovery from bank institutions and the port's insurance policy. But while the port has actively been strengthening their internal controls, we recommend the port continue to strengthen their controls to ensure staff follow verification procedures to protect EFT transactions from internal and external threats and provide adequate communication and training to staff on cyber risks and EFT verification uh, rec requirements. And so for all, all findings, the office provides an opportunity for local governments to include their response, which you'll find in the port's uh, responses included in, in the report there. Uh, lastly, we, we want, want to thank the port and appreciate uh, the court's, port's commitment uh, to resolving this finding and want to thank everyone's further cooperation and assistance during the audit and plan to uh, look forward to reviewing the follow-up on the, the corrective action plan. Thank you to the Office of the Washington State Audit Team for the presentation. Um, are there any questions from my committee members? Great. Um, so if there's no questions, we'll be moving on to the next item, unless Ms. Mr. Fernandez, you yes, would I, like to add some I'm, I'm some guessing thoughts. Mr. Rudy Caluza would like to respond to the findings. So um, you can stay up, Joe. Maybe, Rudy, you want to sit up and maybe one of the seats, whoever. Good morning, uh, Madam Chair Mohammed and Commissioner Cho and public member and advisor uh, Homestead. Thank you so much. I'm Rudy Kaluza, Director of Accounting and Finance Reporting for the Port of Seattle. Uh, we do sincerely appreciate the rigor and the work uh, that the State Auditor's Office has provided uh, to the Port of Seattle on this issue here. I, I just want to uh, brief the Audit Committee as well as the public with regard to how serious the Port of Seattle takes our responsibility to ensure uh, uh, sound stewardship over public funds. So with, when this happened in late 2021, uh, management took immediate action after the fraud experience and we instituted responsible risk, mis risk mitigation measures and that was completed by early 2022 last year. And this does address 
the SAO recommendations contained in this year's audit. And um, the team will follow up to affirm that uh, when they come back with their audit. But the details were fully shared during the course of the audit with the state auditor's office in full detail. Uh, we also initiated immediately a police investigation. So management contacted Port Police and we asked that uh, detectives be assigned and in uh, effect a full investigation. And not just of the external <coughs> cybercrime attempt against the Port of Seattle, but also internally for due diligence. And Port Police confirmed that there was no uh, improprieties within our port operations or staff. But um, before then, they handed over the investigation to the federal authorities, but worked in partnership as well. And as mentioned, uh, th there was a loss, uh, but we recovered 91% of it in frozen bank accounts through federal authority assistance, as well as the coverage through the crime insurance, uh, which was related to the deductible of 25,000 per incident, which two incidences uh, were involved here. This, so the loss to the port was actually $50,000. But this is really emphasizes the responsible approach that the Port of Seattle takes with regard to, we can have internal controls, but um, we also recognize that, uh, and it's recognized in the professional audit industry, that internal controls can only provide reasonable, not, assurance, uh, not absolute assurance against fraud and exposure losses. So along with internal controls in place, the Port of Seattle has a crime insurance policy in effect. And it limits the risks that the port uh, has with regard to public funds lost exposure, and which has really proven to be well. Uh, served in this experience in terms it was limited to the deductible along with the recovery with the assistance of the federal authorities. So the Port of Seattle does have and has had internal controls in place. Uh, the policy, procedural, as well as systemic. And they're very robust. And they have existed at the Port of Seattle and they were in place at the time of the cybercrime experience. And this was shared in detail with the state auditor's office as well during the course of the audit in full transparency. Uh, however, the port controls in place, they're proven to be effective for many years prior up to the point of that uh, experience in late 2021 until the imposter fraud uh, hit the Port of Seattle. Uh, then this was the only instance we've had cybercrime loss uh, up to this point over the many years. And since then, it's been 15 months and our controls have proven to be effective in that there have not been any failures or losses over the past since um, late 2021 to date. And actually the, the cause of this, uh, we really uh, applied due diligence to really understand what failed us here. And so despite the robustness of controls in place, the human element always plays a role, always plays a role. And uh, this is what um, has occurred in this situation uh, in the 2021 cybercrime experience. The automated clearinghouse um, bank account vetting protocols uh, clearly are established in port policy and, and procedures. Um, these were unfortunately not specifically followed and it became a point of failure. However, it was an honest human error here. But nevertheless, it's a, it's a risk and we took immediate steps to mitigate that risk exposure. So we instituted uh, redundancy in our controls uh, where it requires human um, intervention Invention to call the suppliers, we do it twice. That way we cover ourselves. It's the only way, and we, we have other measures we have instituted, but we're covering all bases so it does not recur, and we have proven in the last 15 months it does not, it has not recurred, and it not, will not recur. So we did 
acknowledge this element to be a vulnerability for the Port of Seattle. Um, but also, we need to make sure that our employees are well trained in cyber fraud training. So that's a, a recommendation state auditors uh, emphasized on, as, as well as internal audit in there. Um, so immediately after the fraud loss experience in 2021, uh, team members that were involved in cross departments in the cyber fraud experience uh, were mandated to take uh, cyber crime fraud exposure training, and it has become a mandatory annual refresher. So for, uh, for this year, uh, the annual refresher is scheduled already with um, Information Security Department on uh, April 12th, next week, and it'll be a recurring mandatory refresher. Again, this is how we're addressing the recommendations of the audit as well. So in closing, I just want to uh, acknowledge that the Port of Seattle has been very transparent with regard to this unfortunate experience. Uh, immediately, we informed the State Auditor's Office, as Mr. Joe Simmons indicated, uh, in compliance with state law. And then the audit committee was fully briefed uh, by the internal audit uh, when this was reviewed very timely at front end of 2022. And then again, it was mentioned in the full uh, port commission meeting in December uh, by internal audit as part of their briefing to the commission in terms of the 2022 audits that were completed. And there were little more detailed slides related to this. And again, transparency with the State Auditor's Office uh, making visibility to this in their 2023 uh, report today. So I just wanted to just emphasize some key points and I sincerely appreciate the rigor, again, that the State Auditor's Office provides to um, governments in the state of Washington. They bring a lot of value with regard to continued process improvement. And um, on behalf of the Port of Seattle, we really appreciate your presence and we have worked so well together and actually, even I've been here 23 years, worked state auditors since, but also 21 years before I had 44 career, 44 year career working at King County government, and, and we have built a very good re relationship here. And so I, I also want to mention one other thing. Um, we feel very badly uh, with regard to in accounting and financial reporting to receive this as a finding because. We've never received a finding ever from the State Auditor's Office as it relates to accounting financial reporting. And that speaks a lot to the team members uh, in accounting and financial reporting, all 60 of us. They are very dedicated and committed to public fund stewardship, transparency, and accountability. And we have proven that through external review as well. Uh, so we do take this very seriously. We took an immediate action to mitigate the risks. And I just want to assure the Audit Committee that uh, we're doing what we should be doing as public stewards and um, uh, with regard to any exposure mitigation. So thank you so much, Madam Chair. Well, thank you for that information. It is really important for the public to hear that and um, the swift action that your team has taken. Um, I know that some of our committee members do have um, some questions. I'll, I'll kick it to Commissioner Cho first. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Chair Mohammed. Hey, uh, first and foremost, let me just uh, thank the team for their swift action on this. Um, obviously, uh, this has been an issue with uh, municipalities, uh, special purpose governments, state governments, and quite frankly, I'm sure in the private sector as well. And so this, this problem is not unique to us. So I, I hope the team uh, rests, I mean, finds a little solace in knowing that this is a widespread problem. Um, one thing that did occur to me, and I, and I, I, and I well, and I fully uh, trust that the protocols that we've placed, put in place ha will uh, mitigate the risks of this from happening in the future. But um, I thought it was a little weird to begin with that uh, 
there was such informality in changing, you know, ACH banking and wiring information to begin with. You know, for instance, when I when someone pays rent, usually there's like a portal you go into, and there's like a a long process of like here's two deposits, and you got to confirm those two deposits in order to know that this is the right correct bank account and all mm -hmm. and whatnot. And so, I guess the question here is, have we looked at any software platforms that are uh, meant for you know vendors to go in themselves and make those changes that are both you know have all those cybersecurity requirements. You know, it just seems a little old school for us to um, make, for, for our vendors to make a request for a change in bank account and routing number, and then us to just do it on the back end. I wonder if we've looked into any platforms out there that might help us on the, and, and remove that element of our staffers having to do it themselves. Thank you, Commissioner Cho. So address one, uh, first I appreciate your compassion and your support to port staff. Uh, we are really uh, taking every aspect of our job very seriously. Uh, nothing is perfect. Uh, so thank you for acknowledging that. Um, the other, other, with regard to the, the perception of informality, it's, it's, there's formality. We have solid procedures in place, policy in place. We have checklists that you shall follow this. And, and so with regard to the process itself, perhaps it could um, benefit from the rigor that you in, indicate and expect and we respect as well. Uh, but nevertheless, there is formality there, including controls in our systems to make sure. And I can go over that in detail in a different venue, not to provide the port's blueprint on controls here. <laughs> it's the reason we kept the response to a high level, and it's re, uh, prohibited by RCW, uh, as advised by State Auditor's Office in public session. Uh, but, but also, with regard to your good idea, you had mentioned this when we briefed you, with regard to why don't we put the onus on the suppliers? We are already on the process, and we have had to research the market to see what's available. There are front-end systems to our financial systems that are available uh, in this context that you described, and we are in the process right now of developing the scope of work and the request for proposal, and we'll be launching this out very shortly. But what it would require is, and this is the informality perhaps, is gathering the information from suppliers and then entering in. And the method of communication is email, which is vulnerable. So what we're going to do, and we, we took your idea, Commissioner Cho, is we're going to have a front-end system, and we're going to tell the suppliers, you want to do business with the port. You go to this online system, and you put in. So everything that's required of our purchasing agents to obtain from the suppliers, we don't touch that anymore. Anytime we have human intervention, we have errors for error. So in that concept, we're telling the contractors to go to this system, enter all the required information, including your ACH. And then we're going to augment that with uh, ACH um, validation, verification service with the banks. And this is uh, a lot of credit to the port treasurer, Diane Campbell, supporting us working with the senior manager disbursements, um, Eloise Olivar. And we will soon be effecting a support from U.S. Bank to provide that bank account ver verification service as well with regard to is it good or not, or maybe we'll have to look into a little more. But there is going to be a lot more rigor, uh, but it took time to get to certain things for, for various reasons. Mm -hmm. But we are there this year, and we're going to get there this year. On the bank account verification service, we get there very quickly. We're already underway uh, working out the negotiations with the U.S. Bank. And then the other will we'll go out to RFP, and then we'll be able to identify a system. But the goal, again, is to augment it together so it happens more seamless. 
Uh, right now, it's a two separate environment, but implemented at, at ASFP in various pieces, but ultimately integrated. So that definitely will address uh, what you're asking us, Commissioner Cho, with regard to this, and we're already on it. Great. I, I appreciate you taking those thoughts in stride. Um, you know, and I just want to make clear for the public that I'm not trying to necessarily put the onus on anyone else. I think it's, it's a partnership. It's, you know, and uh, the onus shouldn't just be on us, right? Um, mm -hmm. and, and I think if you're doing with the business with the Port of Seattle, you know, you, they, you're doing business with the public sector entity, you're, you're, uh, and the, you should take cybersecurity and all these other things just as seriously Absolutely. as we do. And so I think, uh, you know, the, having both sides responsible for things, really important things like how are we pay, paying people is really important. So I appreciate you taking that uh, recommendation and those thoughts and running with it. And mm -hmm. so I look forward to seeing that being implemented. Thank you, Commissioner Chu. It's always a choice of words, <laughs> you know, but, but definitely the, the key point here as an elected official, you're providing directive to staff to ensure there's rigor and due diligence and discipline, and that's what we're implementing here. And it does require a partnership, uh, but we will also hold our contractors accountable as well to, to, to play their role. Thank you, Commissioner Cho. I have actually a, a quick follow-up question to that. I imagine your department um, doesn't manage every single electronic fund tran transfers, and so I'm wondering what other departments are doing, and maybe this is for Director Fernandez. Um, has these practices have been streamlined? I hear that your team will be have doing some new trainings and uh, getting some refreshments. Is that the same uh, for other uh, departments across the organization? So, so. Commissioner, uh, first we'll talk about training a little bit more in non-public session. We did do have a full <laughs> audit on that that uh, we'll brief you on. Um, as far as other types of transfers and, uh, you know, there are, th this was ACH transfers that failed. Uh, there are wire transfers that are done for larger and different amounts. Uh, we haven't, I believe, uh, did, did you guys look at uh, wire transfer controls or just ACH? No. no. So we have an opportunity to look at wire transfer <laughs> controls as a whole. Um, so we'll put that on the list um, and move forward. And there are other vulnerabil vulnerabilities that we, like, you know, always need to be aware of and keep working at. Because yeah, the cyber criminals keep get better, getting better and better. And then also to Commissioner Cho's point, um, you know, the, the failure for the ACH fraud started and occurred at small businesses at Seattle Parks and Urban League. Their systems were compromised first, which allowed the fraudsters to be able to impersonate them and then, you know, uh, dupe the port thereafter. So, uh, yes, absolutely working with small businesses and, put, and, and any business that wants to do business with the port is important, critical. Absolutely. No, thank you for that answer. I, I think, like you said, uh, these fraudsters are getting more sophisticated, which is probably why we're seeing more of these activities happening today. And as we use technology more, I think we'll see more of this. So I think being able to use this one particular situation as an example to ensure that all of our controls across the port is intact and we're getting ahead of these things will be really important. Um, so. Is there any other information that we have from the Washington State Auditor's Office? Um, we do have a few more slides okay. um, we can go through if we have time. Please do. Okay. Um, so another thing to be aware of is we also, as a part of our audit, looked at the Port of Seattle's Industrial Development Corporation. This was an assessment audit covering January 1st, 2019 through December 31st, 2021. 
Um, we're pleased to report um, no issues, no recommendations during that audit, and we would like to thank Scott Frederick for his assistance during that audit as well. Um, we also performed a review of the financial and federal audit work performed by a CPA firm, which we talk about on the next slide. Uh, we reviewed their work at the start of the uh, audit to see if there's any risk we can consider as a part of our audit and also any work we can leverage. Uh, we also review it to see if we can accept their audit uh, and move our own audit, and we're pleased to report uh, no issues were noted during that review. And on the next slide, we just have a few other closing remarks. Um, first off, we're happy to report that our audit cost is in alignment with our original estimate. Um, and a lot of that is due to the timely responses from the port staff, so we really do thank you all for um, responding to our request timely. We've included an estimate of the next audit in the exit packet uh, for you. Um, that audit will once again be an accountability audit. And on the next slide. We expect to publish our audit report here later today. If you haven't already, you can sign up to be notified via our website. Um, as a part of that, you can also subscribe to other uh, helpful newsletters, tips and tricks that our office publishes and emails periodically. Once we publish the audit report, we will also send an audit survey. Uh, we really appreciate any and all feedback you can provide to help us continue to improve our audit and services. On the next slide. We also want to partner with governments throughout the year, not just during the audit. So we want to make sure you're aware of two other teams our office has. The first is the local government support team. They provide training uh, statewide, year-round, and also virtual trainings to assist governments complete their annual financial report. They also have a client portal that includes a help desk. You can submit any technical questions throughout the year. We also have the Center for Government Innovation, um, which uh, provides trainings on process improvements and facilitations and lean processes and improvements, as well as team building workshops. They also run the financial intelligent tool, which you can use to look at your, your financial condition in comparison to other similar governments. And these teams are both available at no additional cost. And then on the next slide, I believe I'll be turning it back over to Angela for a few last minute comments. Thanks, Maddie. Before we wrap up our presentation today, uh, we'd like to thank uh, Port Management and their officials for assistance and cooperation during the, during the audit. Uh, we specifically want to extend our thank you to uh, Rudy, Glenn, Don, uh, and Melanie for uh, our weekly meetings that we would have and just have the, the audit run smoothly. And so in the slide here, uh, we won't mention everyone, but I uh, just wanted to give special thanks to everyone in the departments that, that helped us. Next slide, please. Thank you. Uh, so this concludes our presentation uh, to the port of our fiscal year 2021 uh, accountability audit. And so we'd like to thank everyone again for their time for our presentation. And at this point, if there's any additional questions, um, feel free to well, we thank you so much for uh, this audit that you've conducted and ensuring that we have strong integrity in our government operations, as well as um, ensuring that we are being transparent and accountable to the public and being good stewards of public dollars. So I really do appreciate the work you've done, and it's great to hear the partnership that um, you've had with port staff, and um, I want to also extend gratitude to all the port staff members who've participated in this audit. Um, is there any additional information before I turn it over? So I will turn it over to my colleagues. Do you guys have any questions? No questions. I uh, just also wanted to echo the sentiments of gratitude towards uh, our staff, 
obviously for their teamwork and cooperation, but also to the state auditor's office. Um, really appreciate um, Joe, Maddie, and Angela for all your guys' great work. It's always a pleasure to you know hear from you and, uh, and and work with you. And so, really appreciate the partnership here, and looking forward to more going forward. If there's no additional questions for the state auditor's office or port management at this time, we'll be moving on to the next topic. Thank you. That brings us to item number four on the agenda, which is the director's annual communication, independence, internal audit uh, charter, quality assurance, and follow-ups. Glenn, please proceed with the update. Thank you, Commissioner, and thank you, Michelle. Uh, next slide, please, Michelle. Commissioners, one, one of the things, I want to start off by just, uh, you know, showing the public and you our internal audit organization and giving you a quick overview. We do operational audits, which would be Dan Chase and team and, and concession audits. We spend a lot in capital, so Spencer Bright and team um, does a lot of stuff on uh, to the capital audits and the capital front and then construction spend. And then uh, on the IT side and the cybersecurity side, which we heard about today a little earlier, it's Bruce Klossall and his team. And the importance of that is becoming more and more each day with technology changes. Michelle, next slide, please. Commissioners, we follow two standards. Um, one are the International Professional Practices Framework. They're going to be soon called the Global Internal Audit Standards. And we also call them the Red Book. So it's a red book. And that's accordingly an easy way to remember it. And the yellow book over there, those are U.S. government auditing standards. So we follow both. Uh, the government auditing standards also says, hey, if you're an internal organization, it's good to also use the red book. So we use both as they recommend, and we follow both. They're not you know, materially different. They basically drive you to similar things, but uh, some require more specific items. Next slide, please, Michelle. Commissioners, one of the requirements of those uh, standards is that on an annual basis I come back and I communicate to you that uh, I continue to be independent um, and uh, I share my charter with you and the public. I uh, talk a little bit about our quality assurance program, which is looking at ourselves and making sure that we're following the standards and doing the right things. And then um, when you do an audit, you also want to make sure that the issues are being addressed and the report's not put on a shelf and nobody follows up on it. Next slide, please, Michelle. So, Commissioners, on our independence requirement, um, this is just my statement that I need to make publicly to say that we continue to maintain organizational independence. We report functionally to you, to the Audit Committee, and administratively to the Executive Director, Steve. So we're dual reports. Next slide, please, Michelle. The charter is attached to um, the packet in detail, but essentially the internal audit charter for the Port of Seattle talks about our authority and accountability, the mission and scope of what we do, our responsibility, our need to be independent and objective, which we are, and our constant commitment to quality to do the best and improve every day and what we do. Next slide, please, Michelle. So, so those two books that I showed you, the red book and the yellow book, have uh, both have quality assurance requirements. The yellow book, which is the government auditing standards, 
says uh, we need an external peer review every three years. So an external firm that's certified, it's usually one of our peers, but they have to be certified in these peer reviews, comes over and looks at the work we did. And you know, we had one last year, and I, I mentioned that we did pass, which is the highest rating. Um, and then the Red Book requires it every five years, but they also require internal quality assessments. And um, we have a team in-house, um, an individual that's trained and does this, and she looks internally, uh, Rumi Okuma, and she also partners with other organizations. And you know, it's it's a opportunity. Well, when we have them come in at no virtually no cost to us and do a peer review, we've got to reciprocate and send out staff somewhere in the country at least once a year to do a peer review of somebody else and another government entity or airport. So we do do that. And um, we're in the process. We will be doing um, an internal self-assessment later this year. Next slide, please, Michelle. So open issue follow-up. We have audit findings, and be it ACH or anything else, they end up on this chart. Uh, they're all important if they're on this chart, and uh, we bring this to the committee's attention on a periodic basis. You know, if, if, you're, if it's a higher risk or medium risk issue, uh, it'll get noted and we'll communicate that. And we'll also work with management um, to, to make sure that these are being addressed and closed out. Um, we have, um, you know, there has been progress. We have, the, the numbers have been going down. They went up a little bit during COVID, but now they're, you know, management is addressing the, the items. And, uh, you know, we were at 34 opened items last quarter in total. We added a few and took away a few, but the net effect is down to 31. So we are moving it, trending in the right direction. And same on the right-hand side, you know, outstanding issues from target date. There was a net reduction about, of about uh, three there as well. So um, we do have some open issues here that I've noted. Um, and uh, I'll stop there before moving on to the next item, Commissioner, the and uh, take any questions that might this is item five, by the way. I'm sorry. Um, I guess I know that you go over this and we talk about it um, as far as outstanding issues, but it still seems like, I mean, especially when you see it graphically, we have more outstanding, more than two years than anything else. Um, and that's just concerning to me. And I know we've talked through some of these on specifics and like they're working through things, but it just seems like there's a lot of work that goes into this and we still have quite a few sitting there outstanding and that's concerning to me. So I know you said like with COVID, you know, coming out of COVID, we're making progress and we're net down, but it still is, yeah. I guess, a large number. So are we like regularly checking in with these people or like what is our process on, like your guys' internal process for following up with these to make sure this Reduces. Well, as of right now, we follow up that with them on a quarterly basis, and we report back to the committee on a quarterly basis. Um, the the items that you see highlighted there, concourse concessions, A and E, and uh, IT. IT information technology is clearly the largest, and we'll talk a little bit more about that in non-public session. Some of those items take a long time. Um, when you've got to reconfigure an airport, you've got to you know, um, on a disaster recovery plan, for instance, or something. It, so it, it, you know, they're still important, they're still up there, and we'll get into more specifics on those later today. Um, on the other two, um, we are 
pushing them, addressing them. On A&E, we did close out one of the issues uh, over the last quarter, and we are actively working with uh, CPO to, to address those, but I want to know. Any other questions? I have a quick follow-up on that. I know that you guys are following up um, with uh, the, these aging reports uh, quarterly on a quarterly basis, and you do report. Do you report each one of those to us, or every quarter? Yeah, right? okay. I, I come back to the audit committee with. Okay, that's really helpful. You can proceed with the presentation. And and commissioner, it's um, the highlighted ones that I've got up here. The eleven issues that have been outstanding for more than a year. Uh, from target date, I've kind of highlighted those for the commission and for the public, and you know some of them at 19. Commissioner, we're going to move to. I'm going to hand it back to you because we're going to move to item six next, and I'm going to introduce a couple members of my team. Actually, item six on the agenda, Michelle, and I can just move forward if you want to. Next slide, please. Page five. Okay, I'll move us to item number six on the agenda is an update on the internal outreach project. Um, Glenn, please proceed okay. with the presentation. So, Commissioner Muhammad, I'm going to ask a couple members of my team that did the work on this to come up. So, Rumi Okuma, a senior internal auditor, and Bruce Clausal, our manager of IT audit. Uh, both of them, you know, have, have worked, put a lot of effort in, and um, amazingly made a lot of progress, so I figured it best that they come up and talk about what they've done. Uh, remember, Commissioner, this is your uh, discussion that you initiated about um, last year on how do we reach out to the public and provide more information and value to them. And this, it, it's a larger project because it's not only the website, but there's more that Bruce and Ritika will talk about as, I'm sorry, Bruce and Rumi will talk about as we move forward. So Rumi, if you want to introduce yourself. and. Good morning, Commissioners and Ms. Holmstrom. Uh, my name is Rumi Okuma. As Graham mentioned, we immediately started taking action after the September Audit Committee meeting and initiated this outreach project with two main goals. First goal is to promote uh, the awareness and understanding of the port's internal audit process and the significance of internal controls and risk mitigation uh, through outreach, education, and socialization. Second goal is to help small um, entities that the port does business with and that have limited resources to educate and train uh, their staff on internal controls. As displayed in the table, this project has two phases. First phase was to enhance internal audits website, which we completed by this January. Phase two is to develop and implement internal controls training. This effort is in progress and uh, completion is anticipated towards the end of the second quarter of this year. Uh, now, Bruce Krasow, our IT audit manager, who was the main contributor to phase one, will walk you through our enhanced website. Good morning, everyone. So I'm Bruce Krasow, the port's IT audit manager. And so, Michelle, next slide. And so we took our website and made a few changes to it. Uh, actually, the first thing we did was we updated your pictures. 
to make them more standardized <laughs> with the, the commission website pictures. We had different pictures on there. And so then we added, so on the right side, we added these four new sections to our website. Um, the first section uh, is one that contains all of our external peer reviews. The second section is for, uh, it documents the internal audit processes that we use. The third section is, is more of a general audit resource uh, page. And the fourth section is more of a cybersecurity resources page. Michelle, next slide. So the first section we added was for our external peer reviews. And so we have requirements and objectives on the page. And basically, the external peer reviews are the auditors being audited. And this, we have this done every three years. And so this page, this page kind of explains what's, what, what goes into that. And it has all the audit documents of the reviews from 2012 to the last one we had done last year in 2022 for people to look at and read. Michelle, the next page. The next section we added was for our internal audit, um, the way we do our internal audits. Basically, we have two kinds of audits. We have performance audits and contract compliance audits. And this page kind of describes both of them. And it also includes a graphic description of how we do each one of those audit processes. So Michelle, the next page. So here's an example of that graphic for how we do the performance audits. Once again, it talks about what is a performance audit, what's in it for the port staff, and then here's the various phases we go through. Things below the line are kind of like what internal audit does. Above the line is kind of like what the auditees do in order to participate in the audit. And that just kind of lays out the process of those audits. Michelle, next page. Second kind of audit we do are the contract compliance audits with the concessionaires, a lot of them at the airport. And so once again, this talks about what is a contract compliance audit and the steps we go through to complete, to complete the audits. Michelle, the next page. The third area is, these are the internal audit resources that we use in order to perform our audits. The, the top section is our, the, the internal audit standards that we follow. There are two of those, the international standards, which is commonly called the red book, and the government auditing standards, commonly called the yellow book. We follow both of those in performing all of our audits. Um, and then down below, we list a list of professional organizations that we look to to help us with our audits. Michelle, the next page. The last area that we added to the website was a cybersecurity resources page. Um, a lot of these we use, and a lot of these would be very helpful to small businesses. Um, this, this top section, the Center, the Center for Internet Security, and like the CIS controls that it says there, those are the actual 18 control areas that we are currently doing our own internal audits on. We've been working for like five years, working down the list of those 18 control areas. And then below that, we have links for the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency. This is the main federal agency for cybersecurity. They're quite big and very helpful. Their website contains a slew of things that are helpful to small businesses and large businesses. Um, they even have a section on their website where you can go and request their assistance to help you. I don't actually know how that works, but it looks good. Down below that, we have the Institute of National Institute of Standards and Technology, NIST which has their cybersecurity framework, which actually is what the port follows for our main framework that we follow for our controls. On the right, which is actually, if you look at the web page, it just continues on down the page, we have some small business exploits, things that we thought would be most helpful to small businesses with. You know, currently, like the, the business email compromise, which is what hit the port with our ACH issue last year, and then ransomware, and then the links underneath those are both very helpful links to explain what those issues are and kind of explain what you can do to help address them and mitigate them and fight them. 
So those are the four areas that we added to the website. If anybody has any questions, happy to answer them. Or Rumi can close. <laughs> so, so the next slide is Rumi's going to talk about phase two. Yes, thank you, Louis. So for, for phase two, we, we researched the internal controls training done by some state and local government agencies, as well as professional organizations, and uh, designed our own training structure. So um, training components consist of risks and controls. Why do we need internal controls? Uh, but we will discuss risks first as uh, controls are intended to mitigate risks. Uh, training will be an in-person live session with slideshow uh, or video use and uh, handouts and fly flyers, of course. Training, uh, sorry, target audience will be both internal and external. Internally for port managers and staff. Externally for the individuals and parties who are interested in the training or a certain target audience. In this second quarter, uh, we are actually developing act, uh, training material and uh, we are going to coordinate with the departments who are resourceful and uh, instrumental for the port's overall community outreach efforts, uh, such as human resources, information and communi communication technology, and uh, Office of uh, Equity, Diversity, and Inclusion. So we are very excited about that. But please note, though, that the project team members are auditors to begin with. So audit completion is our first and foremost priority. <laughs> so um, our project timeline uh, may be adjusted as needed. Um, so we appreciate any feedback from you, commissioners and commissioners and Ms. Holmstrom, uh, on this outreach project. Thank you. Well, I want to uh, first thank Bruce and Rumi for the work that you've done, that you've taken an idea and, and really run with it. Um, it is the, the resources that you guys are providing to small businesses and even um, grassroots organizations, nonprofit organizations that have been partnering with the port through the South King County Fund. Um, these are really helpful information for them and um, I just think that uh, it's great that you guys have done this and as far as feedback goes, I hope that this would be um, provided to them proactively, um, whether that is when they sign a contract with us that they're directed to this information. Um, there are you know, folks who um, end up having issues with audits from an unintended place, right? They don't know the rules, they didn't put the right structures in place, they're new organizations partnering with a, a large um, government organization like ourselves, and so I think it would be helpful to make sure that they have this um, in advance as much as possible, but really appreciate the work that you have done. Are there any um, questions or comments from our committee members? Commissioner Cho? No, Commissioner Mohammed took the words right out of my mouth. So thank you all for the great work, and I really appreciate it. Great, again, thank you so much. And I'm going to move us to the next item. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. 
So item number seven on the agenda is an update on the 2023 audit plan. Glenn, you have the floor. Thanks, Michelle. Commissioners, this is just a quick overview of our 2023 audit plan for the public that was approved in December of last year. Uh, we're still on track, and uh, this is a listing of the audits we've got. Um, next slide, please, Michelle. This Gantt chart essentially lists out the audits and shows when they're going to be completed. There's some flexibility here and some changes that constantly occur and fine-tuning, you know, audits get moved back and forth, but uh, the green ones are done. Uh, the yellow ones are in progress, although I will point out that Louis Dreyfus, which is a grain terminal down the road, is going to be moved out to the third quarter. Uh, but other than that, uh, everything in here kind of provides a nice picture of where we stand, and our hope is to be able to complete everything and, and have a little capacity to take on uh, any other special requests that come out. So, you know, this, this is it. If in a, I have nothing more on uh, this agenda item. I will pass it back to you and then move on to the next agenda item. Thank you for that update, Glenn. Are there any questions from the committee members at this time? move us to the next item then moving on to the performance audits section on the agenda item number eight before us is a report regarding fisherman terminal glenn please proceed thank you commissioner and um for this i'm going to ask dan chase who's a manager for performance audits to come up and join me and kenny lyles as well and i'll provide a quick overview and we'll go from there and Kenny's the director of uh, Maritime, and he will be uh, providing a response. <laughs> That's Maritime Operations and Security. <laughs> there we go. The full so, so before I even start this, I want to point out that um, you know Kenny approached us uh, late last year, early this year, in the December time frame, and, and requested an audit. Um, and said, you know, I might have some opportunities for improvement, and can you guys help me out? So we did the work. Um, we noted some things, which we'll talk about, and, um, you know, and, and uh, we noted some other things also that we'll talk about, but we'll, we'll move from there. Our, um, go ahead, Dan. Oh, our audit included Fisherman's Terminal, Salmon Bay Marina, which is adjacent to Fisherman's Terminal, and the Maritime Industrial Center, which is all at the same complex. Now, um, we, we primarily went in to look at the billing processes, to look at segregation of duties and, uh, and their operational procedures. I, I do want to point out that we did not, you know, all of this information that starts at, um, at and the marina side, the marina management system, then transfers to PeopleSoft, which is our main financial system. We didn't touch PeopleSoft, so we just focused on what happens at the marina and the marina management system, which is their system. So our audit and our discussion will focus on that. I also want to talk about, next slide please, Michelle. Actually, two slides forward. Okay, thank you. I also want to point out that Fisherman's Terminal, you know, it's a big marina that includes office space, uh, restaurants, warehouse space. It's uh, a really beautiful location and a 
one of the crown jewels of the Port of Seattle. You have, uh, I love walking out there. It's got uh, the Alaskan fishing fleet as well as commercial vessels. And one of the beautiful advantages of this is that it's in fresh water. So that means if your boats are out in the salt water, you get barnacles, you've got to pull them out every two years and paint the bottom with copper, and it's very corrosive. Uh, here, you come through the locks, and for the winter, you can dock your boat there. We have a competitive advantage there. And, uh, you know, th it's fresh water, so everything dies and, until you're ready to go out the next year for your salmon season. Um, Salmon Bay Marina is something we acquired recently, and uh, I believe it's a couple of years ago, and um, now before COVID. It's inside the Ballot Locks, right next to a fisherman's terminal. And then there's the Marina, the Marine Maritime Industrial Center, which uh, pretty much has larger vessels, um, up to 76 meters in length. So you'll see some really large dock space and big vessels that are being worked on. Um, and, you know, if they need to bring them in for whatever reason, work on them, uh, they've got facilities there right at Fishman's Terminal. Next slide, please. Before I hand it over to Dan, just to provide a little background um, on, um, you know, one of the things we did is we walked through the terminal, uh, the facilities, and uh, did some visual inspections of everything. It's just part of doing an audit. And as we did, we noted some aging infrastructure and, um, you know, um, some of the bu buildings just had kind of taken, years had taken a toll on them, to put it bluntly. Um, I know there's a motion to remove the bank, or approved action, and there's an old banking building that'll be raised that was approved in the last commission meeting, but that really needed to happen yeah, and then Dan and team came across, whilst they were looking at uh, Fisherman's Terminal, an engineering report that was done at the request of Maritime, Kenny and team. But it uh, identified that Salmon Bay Marina, the roof, is at risk of uh, structural um, failure, essentially. And if there's a windstorm or heavy snowstorm or something, you know, this needs to be addressed. So for transparency, we wanted to bring it out to you. and. Uh, and just point that out, you know, that management is aware of it, they asked for it, but, uh, you know, just for transparency, that something needs to be done there before uh, something happens since this engineering report is out. Uh, before I hand it over to Dan, you know, to talk about the issue that we have, are there any comments at this point or questions? Commissioner Chung, or do you want to hold? Okay. We'll hold okay. our okay. questions okay. till the end. So let, let's move forward then. Um, next slide, please, Michelle. I also want to point out just a, you know, for, for Dan's issue that he did the work on, um, it's a very, very cash-based business, the Fishman's Terminal. Yeah, there's $3 million a year in revenue. A large part of that is cash. Fishmen come off, they pay in cash. It's... Uh, you know, just the way they operate. So when I looked at the banking data, yeah, clearly in line with what uh, the folks at the terminals talked about, you know, it's heavy, heavy, heavy cash. Uh, Salmon Bay Marina pulls in about a million a year, and the Maritime Industrial Center varies, but about 150,000, relatively smaller, but um, 
very important things. Next slide, please, Michelle. And then here, you know, to lead into Dan's presentation, uh, there's a lot of accounts payable that are overdue. And, um, you know, there's about 900,000 out there. Well, half is, about 400 is current, but the rest is uh, past due and needs to be collected. And there's a very manual process to that. And with that, I'll hand it to Dan to, uh, Great. to talk. Well, thank you, Glenn. Uh, hello, Audit Committee. Good morning. It seems like I was here a week ago. Um, and thanks, Kenny, for being here as well. Um, so, yeah, I'll move into the results. So if we could go to the next slide, please. Great. Um, so I, I also want to share, you know, the good news that we found as well, right? And so we tested birthage and moorage, and that accounts for the majority of the revenue. And this isn't on your slides. Um, it's about 70% of the fishermen's terminal revenue, uh, 2.3 million uh, out of about 3.3 million. So what we did is we tested 60 transactions where we validated that the tariff was accurate, uh, multiplied that by the length of the boat to get what the monthly billing was, uh, and those agreed without exceptions. So um, that, is, that is good news. Um, our testing did, I, did, I, excuse me, did identify some exceptions to the accuracy of auxiliary billing. Um, the first was space rental. Um, we looked at five transactions, and of those five transactions, there were three that we uh, identified that had that used an outdated rate, which resulted in about a $3,800 underbilling. And so what we did is we took that exception rate and extrapolated that to the population in um, that revenue category and came up with about 36000 that would have been underbilled. And so that's an estimate. Um, Management also self-disclosed, and, and what I mean by that is they actually told us, right, so we want to give uh, their team credit for that, um, that the Nordby conference room um, was being underbilled by about $1,700 in 2022. Um, the reason for this was because a customer calls in and on their website it has a rate that doesn't match the approved tariff rate, right, and so we would honor what the... Um, website reflected. Um, and then finally, um, let's see, yeah, finally that, that $900,000 outstanding balance that, that Glenn had talked about briefly. You know, we, we didn't make any assessment of whether $900,000 is, is high or low. I, I'm not sure. I mean, it's normal to have an accounts receivable balance. Um, what we found is that there is an individual, and we were careful, we wanted to review, you know, Fisherman's Terminal process and not audit an individual, right? So we reviewed the process. What we found is that there's a, an individual manager that is uh, customer-facing, kind of a sales type of function, uh, advocating, you know, for bringing customers in, uh, you know, owners of the boats. Um, they also perform a lot of the, you know, on-site collection efforts. Um, and again, we did not review AFR's uh, collection process, so that's outside of this scope. Um, but this person can also um, adjust billings in MMS, the Marina Management System, before it's posted into PeopleSoft. So when you have somebody that you know can collect cash, working with customers, you know. Um, 
working out delinquency payments, and then it also has that ability in the billing system. Uh, the, you know, there's obvious problems that could occur, right? And that's kind of the whole idea that, and Kenny and I talked about this, around segregation of duties, right? You don't want to have one person be able to start a process from the beginning and take it all the, all the way to the end. You want to have different people doing uh, various things. Um, and so, you know, what we've recommended is to kind of reevaluate how things are being done out there, including the segregation of duties, including, you know, having management review or some one-over-one -one review when adjustments are made um, so that there's a little more rigor and some checks and balances in place. Um, you know, it's, and the, the last thing I'll say, and then I know, Kenny, I'll turn it over to you. I think you have some comments as well. Yeah, and, and maybe, Michelle, could you move to the next slide? Oh, please? yeah, thank you. Um, you know, it's, it's, Kenny and I talked about kind of evolving the business, right? And it's, it's not uncommon in small businesses that you have one or two people doing lots of things, right? They wear multiple hats. Um, and this is kind of the feel that I think Fisherman ter Fisherman's Terminal has, right? And I think they're trying to evolve it uh, to a little, you know, it, to have a little more rigor around it, right? Um, and so that's kind of how I would kind of capture everything that we found uh, in the audit. And so with that, I'll, I'll um, I don't know, Glenn, do you want to add anything? Additional? Yeah. No, I think you hit on, on the important things. I think it's, you know, um, as Dan said, it's being run. Um, the, you know, we didn't find any misconduct or anything, but it's right. it's being run like a small business, and there's an opportunity to enhance controls. So I'll turn it back to uh, the commission or to Kenny. To Kenny, if you want to make some comments. Yes, uh, thank you, Dan. And good morning, uh, Chairwoman uh, Muhammad, and Commissioner Cho, and Ms. Homston. Um, uh, maritime, I, again, Kenny Lyles, Director of Maritime Operations and Security. Um, we accept the findings of this audit as well as the associated recommendations. Uh, based on these recommendations, commercial fishing, commercial fishing will work to create a structure that will accomplish a segregation of duties to ensure integrity in the revenue management program. As Dan mentioned, um, I had requested this audit and that we had a change in, in administration at that location. Uh, a new senior manager came on board. Um, the first point of customer contact was uh, promoted to another position. And um, we are also in the process of upgrading our marina database um, a management system or marina management system that Dan talked about. It will, um, we're going to migrate to Marine Vessel Management System, MVMS, as the acronym says. And so I felt that this was an opportune time to review our practices to make sure that our house was in order. Um, some background. In 2002, the seaport, pre the, 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 pre the precursor to the Maritime Division was the Seaport Division. Uh, the Seaport Division reorganized, eliminating um, a business manager position by one FTE or full-time equivalent. Uh, since that time, one business manager has been responsible for managing billing and collections. The resulting reduction in financial oversight can be attributed to approximately uh, 230,000 of overdue accounts of 120 days or more um, year to date. To compound this exposure, should the business manager position be vacated for, very, for whatever reason, uh, records of customer 
collection management would be susceptible to loss. Um, management is evaluating whether an additional position is needed uh, or can be accommodated with existing staff to provide separation of customer intake, that is the assigning of mortgage and billing, to provide and to provide revenue management accountability. Processes will also be brought up uh, to date by automating customer engagement tracking uh, for the collections process as well as the incorporation and utilization of, of, um, of dashboards as a platform uh, and other uh, information retention type platforms uh, that are available to us, which includes uh, the new Vessel Management System or MVMS. Uh, I would like to add that uh, I had um, managed directly uh, Fisherman's Terminal for over 15 years, or, or approximately about 15 years before I moved into my current capacity, and uh, understanding that it is a retail operation. It's a mom and pop type of a customer base where um, families um, operate known these individual fishing vessels that have crew up to five um, versus the trawl fleet will have a crew up to 200. And so um, these are small businesses in, in that environment. It's almost endemic that you're going to have um, uh, uh, this type of, of management uh, required uh, to ensure our revenue program has integrity. So uh, having said that, we do accept the findings and the recommendations, and we are in process of trying to refine uh, uh, these concerns. So thank you very much. Well, thank you for the presentation and thank you to the staff and management for, um, for presenting today and Director Kenny Lyles, thank you for your work that you do and appreciate the proactive um, work that you've done uh, uh, triggering this audit and, and wanting to make sure that there are good checks and balances and good systems as changes are coming. Um, are there any questions from my committee members at this time? No, I, you know, no questions, but I also wanted to make sure that I commended you for being the one to instigate an audit. I don't really know of anyone who, like, asks for an audit, right, <laughs> willingly. Uh, but I also see the tremendous value in this because it gives you, uh, you know, some, some data points and I'm sure it confirms some things that you suspected about uh, Fisherman's Terminal, but also may have uncovered things that you weren't aware of. And so I think this is a tremendous example of our leadership uh, being proactive and, and utilizing an internal function uh, and, and uh, uncovering things that uh, need to be addressed in the medium and long term. And so I really want to thank you for that. And I hope your colleagues uh, take note and uh, utilize this function for themselves in their own department. So thank you, Kenny, for setting that example. Thank you, Commissioner. And as we went into this exercise, I ensured my staff that uh, we this function, this exercise is only going to enhance our business profile. Um, it's not necessarily looking for punitive action. We're looking uh, the support of our center of expertise here in internal audit. So, and I'll just say that you know, Kenny's. We've I've audited you several times right now, right? And it's good that that um, he's reaching out to us. And and what we're doing is we've actually asked for feedback as well for for how they experience the audit, so that we can. Uh, improve uh, as well. So they, they get a chance to audit us back. Um, I did want to just uh, recognize uh, 
Nicole Wee, uh, if you want to. So she's, she's new, and she actually performed the testing on this audit, so she deserves a lot of the credit. So welcome. Thank you, Nicole, for the work you've done. Um, Sarah? Yeah, uh, okay, I have several questions. I wanted to follow up on a couple of the management response comments you made and make sure I understand. So since 2002, there's been one person that's the business manager over this. Is that correct? Did I understand that? Well, we have a team of three. Okay. And however, it's um, the business manager is ultimately accountable for all business practices. Okay. So that individual oversees the intake person, the customer service specialist, as well as the mortgage coordinator that performs all the assignments. However, the business manager is responsible f uh, in conjunction with our accounting um, uh, and financial services uh, um, representative in tracking uh, delinquent accounts and um, uh, trying to get payment. Uh, from these accounts. It's a team effort. However, one individual oversees this customer engagement that is reaching out to customers, bill collecting, uh, those types of functions. So when you said that if that position were to be vacated, there would be, we'd be susceptible to loss of like the accounts. Can you explain what you meant by that? Yes, and not accounts, however, customer engagement. For example, the amount, the number of engagements that this manager will have done in regards to reaching out to a customer for payment, uh, the, the conversations, when they occurred, uh, what consisted of the outreach, um, that type of information is now being retained in an antiquated way. Notebooks, handwritten notes. Uh, we need to automate that. Um, that's not sustainable. And do you have, is that part of a system or, I know you know to note processes and reporting system, is there a system you're looking at then to start doing that? Is that the plan? Yes, uh, we are in the process of upgrading our, our marina database, um, marina vessel management, marine vessel management uh, system, MVMS. Mm -hmm. uh, currently we have MMS, which we are able to put notes in However, um, there are various platforms that can be utilized. Excel is a basic platform that can be utilized, and we are trying to uh, formalize these processes through standard operating procedures. Okay, thanks for that context. Um, I wanna go back to just the revenue breakdown and just like, I guess, a fundamental thought around the amount of cash flowing through this, so I understand kind of what what you're saying of this is a cash heavy business and that's kind of you know what people are used to but i mean with millions of dollars flowing like no matter what controls you put in place like everyone knows cash is extremely risky no matter you have the best internal controls in the world cash can go missing it's just high risk so is there any kind of effort or thought about over time trying to change the process so that people know hey, when you come here, you're going to need a card to pay. I understand that's not going to be an overnight process, but I think it's definitely something we should start proactively looking at because I would expect these numbers are only going to go up and the risk is not going to go down. And the more money there is, the more, yeah. the more challenge there is around it. So thank you. And that. that is something we recognize. We have continually over the last 15 years trying to migrate our customer base into more electronic transactions. Uh, however, keep in mind or be mindful that 
this is a legacy industry here, the small boat fisher, uh, the independent fisher. Um, and it's, a, a mis it's not necessarily a million dollars cash coming through our, our, um, our, our customer service function, uh, passing over our counters, I should say. Uh, but we do have those customers that do prefer to pay cash. Uh, it's kind of like your traditional farmer. Uh, when the crops come in, uh, they have a pocket full of money. They go and they pay their debtors uh, in cash. And we're trying to move all of our customer base to electronic transactions. The majority of our customers are uh, utilizing electronic transactions. There are, however, some legacy practices that we still have to honor. Okay, I guess, um, and I know, Glenn, you kind of got me some of this information, but it was hard to tell. Um, I would be curious how much of it is in cash, and again, just fundamentally knowing that um, the ri how high the risk is and understanding we can't do it overnight, but still challenging to say, hey, this is going to be our process going forward. You know, like I've, I've seen that a lot of companies are, hey, we're not going to accept personal checks from this date on or something like that. We obviously wouldn't spring that on them tomorrow, but I think if we move in that direction, it would just, you know, it helps the people that are, this business manager and all the people involved, it's much more, much better protection for them as well as the organization. You know, if I may, at our most recent, at our previous audit, that was one of the items that was identified and we came up with a standard operating procedure to account for that cash transaction and the depositing of cash checks, things of that nature. And Sarah, we'll get back to you on how much of it is, is in cash, the exact numbers, best of our ability, and uh, you know anything further we can discuss with Kenny. And, and we had this discussion as well with, with some folks out there, um, you know, advocating for less cash and more uh, credit card and and that's you know it's consistent with what Ke what Kenny is saying it's the industry is very cash heavy um, that's kind of the nature of it but I do think it's a good idea to kind of explore the idea of moving away from cash because it is inherently risky thank you both for those questions um, I had a couple questions myself um, and I'm, I'm actually looking forward to hearing how much of the dollars are in cash and Sarah thank you specifically for asking the questions that you did. Um, my, I had a couple of um, questions regarding the engineer's assessment risk report um, and the roofing of the Salmon Bay Marina. Do you know, Glenn, exactly what is gonna happen with that facility or is there, or Kenny, maybe you can share um, sort of just the, the strategy for that building moving forward? And I know we've taken commission action but for the short term, I, I'm, I want to understand what protections we're putting in place to ensure that um, no one is harmed there. Right. Um, thank you, um, Commissioner. Um, we have, as, as Glenn mentioned, we recently completed an engineering assessment. Uh, it was identified that um, it is vulnerable. Uh, we are just now starting the, um, uh, well, we just completed the planning and engineering assessment. We're just now going into our capital planning season, mm -hmm. and we, are, we will be identifying this as a vulnerable asset that um, we need to put on our, or we need to categorize uh, and, and basically elevate our advance. Uh, this um, project, if you will, it is a project now, uh, 
in regards to funding, elevating it to uh, the higher level of funding. So uh, we purchased this asset in 2017. Um, it's, uh, we're spending over you know, a substantial amount of money and bringing it up to Port of Seattle standards of ownership. Uh, we've made multiple repairs already since acquiring it, uh, this being one of the major ones. So we are putting it on our um, capital plan, and um, it's, it's my uh, hopes that we can advance it uh, for capital authorization, capital funding authorization come this spring. Doctor, that's really, that's really helpful to understand that. And I just want to make sure that I um, understand correctly. So for the short term, are, what are we doing to make sure that the people who are going in and out of that building is protected? Yes. Well, uh, it, it's, it's from what we understand as operations is that it is stable. Okay. Uh, it's not teetering, um, but it is vulnerable. Uh, but it is stable, uh, and we are assessing it. Our maintenance department is assessing it routinely. Um, uh, that's that's what we are doing currently. Okay, that's that's great to know, and I would just emphasize the importance of ensuring that we are protecting people from that building. And if it's not people who are not maintenance, making sure that they are have the right equipments and things like that on to ensure that that no harm is caused there I was concerned about the comments that was in the report like may I ask a question to you Ken um, is the vulnerability from the structure collapse and fire or fire well all covered mortgage is vulnerable for fire Yep. regardless of the sprinkler system or not. This particular asset was, was acquired uh, with um, the sprinkler system or the lack thereof being grandfathered in, as I understand it. From an earlier code. Yes, previous code. Yeah. So uh, it was not required when we acquired it, um, but as far as um, the vulnerability, again, I, I, it's in a stable uh, condition. It's, it's not... Uh, we're not at that point of failure, uh, but we do know that we have to upgrade it. Uh, but this is, uh, again, at top of mind uh, with our engineers and our planners, yeah. and it's on schedule for review. Okay. I, I uh, will follow up. I've got a couple ideas, but I'll follow up with the engineering team and with uh, Kenny. Thank you. Thank you, Swicky. I appreciate that. And yeah. It looks like someone else has that. Thank you. I, I wanted to start question, especially public member Holmstrom, with regard to the amount of cash in 2020 and further. It's it's about $62,000 cash. Other is processed through or no more processing. So there is not this major uh, concern here. But nevertheless, just the principle of it. And accounting and financial reporting will work, partner yeah. with uh, Mr. Kenny Lyles to see how we can make sure we. Uh, enhance that uh, control environment and address your risks. So it's very well taken, but I just want to at least uh, give you an immediate assessment with regard to how much actually cash is being uh, taken at Fisherman's Terminal. Um, Rudy, I, I did look at the same report on the 62,000. It looks like there's another bucket called cash and checks where they're dumping a lot of the records in and they're not separating out cash and checks. So we might have to go back and look at that. And just yes, and we'll reconcile because okay. a lot of it, 85% goes through our systems, right? 
Yeah. That's helpful. Not at the counter, so. Uh, but we will give you a, a clear assessment. I just wanted to give you a picture at this time out of respect for the audit committee. Thank you so much. Thank you, Rudy. That's really helpful to know that those dollars are not going across at, at, at the counter. I think that's infor important information for the public. So I appreciate you coming up here and sharing that additional information. And we look forward to further clarity around that. Too. And I, I appreciate our assistant director. Uh, she's listening in. Email respect the audit committee. So <laughs> this is the assessment she gave at this time. Thank you so much. That's and her really name helpful. is Lisa Lamb, Assistant Director. Oh God. Thank you. Thank you. I have um, another question around the Salmon Bay Marina. I, you know, I'm interested in the historical context of the acquisition of that that space um, and whether it has achieved its overall performance goals and like. Um, how much net revenue have we gotten out of that facility? Sounds like there's a lot of challenges there, and I'm trying to understand if there are any pros associated with that facility. Well, I don't know exactly if I'm that person to ask okay. that question, but I can tell you that we, as, as Glenn mentioned, um, um, the facility brings in, in revenue, a million dollars a year. Okay, that's helpful. Yes, but expenses are, are very high. Um, they're over that amount. Um, uh, we are accommodating the maritime cluster there in the ship canal. Uh, the idea behind the acquisition was to uh, increase um, Port of Seattle portfolio in servicing the maritime cluster, which includes wreck boats. Um, but I, uh, we would have to get back to you on that uh, because I don't want to speak out of turn or out of line. Uh, regarding the motivation of the acquisition other than that top level uh, perspective that's really that's just really helpful because if we're investing so much money in in restoring it or, or fixing it it is also helpful to hear what sort of benefits the port has gotten out of it and if there is um, I hear there's a lot of boating and recreational activities happening there but I'm also trying to understand if there is a maritime industry connection there yeah, a few Mr. comments Swicky. from myself, Dave Swakey for the record. Um, uh, there were multiple options at the time that uh, the port made that purchase, and uh, the port wanted to help the maritime cluster. Uh, the commission looked at uh, various options and made a choice. And I think we could get back to you because that acquisition was supported by investment scenarios over a timeline. So the uh, profitability of the acquisition, et cetera, uh, we could, we could uh, parallel how it's turned out uh, compared to the plan, if you'd like. That uh, would be helpful. You bet. And uh, I would also say that uh, I remember the specific commission action when it was acquired and uh, comments were, we don't know how this will turn out. But uh, compared to those two options, um, the commission chose a piece of land immediately adjacent to Fisherman's Terminal and thought that that was a vital piece to put together two parcels in one for future value. But uh, let us get back to you on a comparison uh, of what the performer was then versus now. That would be really helpful, being able to look back and, um, and it will help us make some decisions as we're moving forward. So I would appreciate a follow-up. Any other comments? from the presenters or the committee members? 
Great. So thank you all who presented. Thank you, Director Kenny Lyles, for your presentation and appreciate the work that you and your whole maritime team does. Thank you. Thank you very much, Commissioners. Thank you very much, Mr. Thank you, Ken. So next item nine. Next next on the agenda is item number nine. That is uh, Terminal Five Berth Modernization Project. Glenn, please proceed. Thank you, Commissioner. And Commissioner, for this, I'm going to ask Spencer Bright, who's our capital audit manager, to come up and sit with me. So um, I'll provide a quick overview. In the interest of time, I'll move relatively quickly, and um, and then Spencer will talk about the the finding that they have. But um, you know, if, if you look out in the harbor, you can see Terminal Five. It's uh, one of the crown jewels in the shipping side. It's uh, one of the premier cargo facilities that. Uh, has, um, y you know, you can see 10,000 20 foot equivalent units and, you know, vessel capacity. Um, it can basically handle heavier ships, larger cranes, and we were updating it. So we're, we've got this huge project going on with the Seaport Alliance to update it. Um, so we put it on the audit plan, next slide please, as uh, an area of risk that we wanted to look at. Um, we looked at, uh, you know, Orion construction specifically, so the $159 million that you see there. There are other, this, the whole program had a variety of other items. The program as a whole um, totals $454 million. You know, our segment of the construction was, uh, you know, a, a larger chunk of that. The $340 million that we started with in 2019 that was authorized by the Commission of the managing members was then increased for the 50 million was for North Reefer construction authorization. Authorization um, there was 25, 2.5 million for settlement agreement um, and 61 million for um, a lease extension, lease amendment, and all of these went through the Northwest Seaport Alliance Committee and got approved and ended up with the 454 million final price. Next slide, please. Michelle. One of the things, there's two items we were focused here on. Uh, one, but, but it all centered around when a bid quantity from the original plan or the original bid exceeded 125%. So say we were going to do something and uh, the final result was over 125% of that. Um, the contract allows us to go back and renegotiate that. Any profit and uh, you know, because the idea is up to that point, the general contractors made their money and they've made their profit. And if you exceed these levels, there's additional pure profit for you. So the lease says you can go back and renegotiate that with the port. So legal asked us to do some work there and we got bid documents and provided that information to legal and uh, ran the calcs there. Uh, we also, through the course of that, um, we identified some other issues that Spencer will briefly talk about. So next slide, please, Michelle. Thank you, Glenn. Uh, good morning, commissioners, Ms. Holmstrom. I'm Spencer Bright, the uh, Capital Projects Audit Manager. Um, I'd like to start out with just uh, thanking the construction management team and all members that assisted us um, on this project. Uh, 
very responsive to our requests and, and very supportive. Um, so we're very grateful for that. Uh, we did identify one low-rated item, um, and, to, and to put this uh, kind of into a perspective, uh, we tested the eight largest um, bid items um, for, for the project, total of uh, $13 million approximately, uh, which the supporting documentation for this, um, these items are hundreds upon hundreds of trip tickets or wait uh, tickets um, across multiple uh, pay applications. The results of, of our testing at that level was uh, that less than one one percent or approximately a hundred twenty five thousand uh, dollars was unsupported so very low error rate um, we, we saw that there is a strong review process in place and uh, that, that the construction team was following uh, standard operating procedures uh, next next slide please Michelle <coughs> Um, our, our recommendation was for the, the port to, um, to seek the uh, supporting documentation that was missing from our, our review and to uh, recover uh, any amount that, that's due to the port. Uh, I was notified that management is already addressing this recommendation um, and they are planning on adjusting the March or the most recent pay application as necessary determining on uh, how the contractor responds. Next slide, please, Michelle. And then um, you, Janice, if you can unmute. Uh, we've got Janice online who's going to provide a management response. So thanks, Janice. Thank yeah, I just want to uh, thank the internal audit department for the continual partnership uh, because I would say similar to Kenny's comment in the previous agenda item, it's about how we uh, make sure that our, all of our procedures are are being followed, that if there is continuous improvement, that we um, leverage that. So what Glenn talked about related to um, the, the additional information that the audit department was able to obtain for the port is really important because um, until we end up, if we end up in a dispute, then we can pull records to understand uh, what their actual costs are. But in this audit, we were able to work in partnership with Glenn's department to uh, obtain some uh, very important information as we negotiate those uh, unit prices for this contract. And then we appreciate the work that they've done to identify those, um, those errors that we will be correcting with the contractor if they are not able to provide the documentation the next billing um, invoice will have the credit amount uh, taken away and then in addition this is a four-year contract we issued the contract in may of 2019 and so it was helpful to get some of this information because the second bullet there is that we do have a uh, at the end of our contract we have an independent staffer that actually goes in and looks at all the unit price bid items to verify that all of the costs that we've paid are uh, removing errors that we might find. So this actually allowed us to do that a little bit sooner on those different bid items that Glenn and, and his team were able to look at. So 
we we appreciate the work together. We continue to find that uh, they offer a real valuable input to our process and that their work makes us better. So I, I appreciate these efforts. That's, that's it. Great, thank you for the presentation and for all the information that you guys have provided around the supply chain disrupt disruption management. Um, any questions from my committee members? Commissioner Cho? Um, no questions. Uh, I'm really glad that we did this audit. Uh, T5 has been one of the most important projects that we've done on the Seaport Alliance side, and I'm sure our colleagues in Tacoma would be happy to hear that there aren't, hasn't been any major slip-ups when it comes to payments, and so I'm really glad to hear that. Is, it, is my understanding correctly correct that we are actually going to be discounting the $124,000 from our next payment to Orion and then putting the onus on them to the, and provide us with, is, I'm just reading the first bullet point here yeah. on the response and want to understand how, how that's being handled. I, I, I see Janice nodding, so Janice will tell you. <laughs> yeah, so, so our staff has asked Orion for any additional backup documentation they have not, that they may not have provided to us to justify any of the $125,000, and any amount that they're not able to validate will come directly from the, the billing. So what I haven't checked in with staff, and actually there might be one um, in the audience there, is whether any additional information has been provided to date or if we will take the 125000 now. And if there is any more uh, information they're able to validate, then in the next billing cycle, that would be added back in. If I might also offer one more comment to just the point that there were eight bid items that went over 125%. In this project, I believe that is not unusual because we're dealing with stevedores who are hiring tenants who are operating in the facility. So things like earthwork might go over the engineer's original design estimate because sinkholes might be found. Um, paving and the gravel beneath it might go over because the tenant or the stevedore may ask to get this lease done, we need to add more area because the operation is changing during the four years that this uh, facility has been underway. So I don't think that that uh, reflects in any way negatively on the design. And I'll note for the uh, design team that that design was put together in a very rapid manner for business reasons and uh, uh, to meet uh, and get a lease. So I would just uh, thank the design team for all their good work earlier and the construction team who's present. Thanks for all your work. Thank you. Thank you for that, um, those thoughts and for providing clarity around the overspend. I think that is really important for the public when you see about a $100 million overspend. It, it's, it's a big number and so um, I appreciate that um, additional information that you've shared and uh, Director Glenn, you've emailed me some additional information. I've asked those comments in private uh, sessions as well, and so I really do appreciate that information. I think it's uh, valuable information for the public to have. Um, is there any additional information related to this presentation that you all would like to share, presenters? No, at this time. Not for me. Great. Thank you so much for the presentation. So I'll move us along in the agenda. 
Um, we are now at item number 11 on the agenda, and this is an information technology uh, audit regarding security awareness and skill training. This item is a security sensitive and will be discussed in non-public session. We have no limited. I think you missed 10. Oh, did I miss 10? Yeah. Item 10. Item 10. It'll, it'll be I am quick. sorry, that's my, <laughs> no my apologies. I skipped over to item number 11, but item 10 is uh, still outstanding. So moving us to item number 10, supply chain disruption management. Glenn, please proceed. This will be a relatively quick report because um, it's a clean audit report. Essentially, we looked at the supply chain processes that the port has. Uh, we looked at, we benchmarked with the Port of New York, with uh, a variety of other ports and um, government organizations, and also, um, you know, Gartner and some other industry think tanks. And whilst there's so many uncontrollables out there, you know, you can't control for everything. That doesn't mean that we're not going to be hit with supply chain problems. It just means we have a process in place, and we do that's consistent with other government organizations. So we want to validate that we had one. Um, we're all at risk, not only us, but the other ports as well from the supply chain, and that'll continue. But um, the audit was focused on looking at it and making sure that we have one. So we're happy to re report back that our process is consistent with other government organizations out there and ports. That's it. Thank you, Director Glenn. It's good to know that our process is, is consistent with other government organizations. Any comments or questions from my committee members? All right, now moving us along to item number 11 on the agenda, which is a information technology audit regarding security awareness and skill training. This item is security sensitive and will be discussed in non-public <coughs> session. We have no limited contract compliance audits on our agenda today, so at this time we'll move to closing comments. Mr. Fernandez, do you have any closing comments for the committee today? I do not. I just want to say thank you for being here and uh, for your support. Great. Are there any closing comments from my committee members? You know, I'll just say that we plowed through a lot of agenda items today, uh, all very positive, and so I really want to thank you, Glenn, and everyone who has uh, been a part of this process and uh, presenting us today. Great work. Um, my closing comments, I echo the same words of Commissioner Cho. Thank you all for your hard work and commitment to transparency and accountability. You all make our organization stronger. Um, hearing no further comments, we'll now recess into the non-public portion of our meeting. And the time is 10.46 a.m. to discuss one matter relating to security-sensitive information. The non-public portion of the meeting will last approximately 30 minutes and the meeting will adjourn with no further business after that time. Participants joining the non-public portion of the meeting via Microsoft Team, please close out of this meeting link and join the 11 a.m. Teams meeting invitation. For everyone joining in the physical, um, physical meeting room, please proceed to the third floor, conference room 3CC03. And the current time is 1047. Thank you.